All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Talks. We can be found on all outlets at TWAKS Podcast, Talks Podcast. Um, we are here today with uh, Dre, and we're going to talk about some um, deep issues, but have fun with the issues, kind of go up and down. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation that we'll have. And uh, really quick here, I'll just let you kind of introduce yourself. You know, we're talking here with me, Blue. Yeah. You know, Blue's taking over on this segment, um, and we'll uh, just let you introduce yourself, tell the people about you, what you do. Sure. Uh, so my name is Dre. Uh, government name is Andre. I might as well go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> um, been in Charlotte, honestly, for about 25 years, born and raised in Detroit, so spent the first 22 years in the city. Uh, different vibe, different atmosphere. Um, five kids. Um, I work. <laughs> Got a job. <laughs> Uh, married for about three years and just kind of enjoying life and um, seeing what it has to offer. Uh, right. Other than that, that's it, man. Typical guy. Uh, just trying to make his way like everyone else. Cool. Appreciate that. Yeah. So um, today we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, right? Yes. And in that, we're going to talk about like the effects that it has on us in the black community, but most of us as black men. Yeah. Um, relationships, platonic, professional, all that good stuff, right? Yeah. And then also we'll, you know, dive into male vulnerability, what that looks like, what that means, and then also mainly tying it back to our community with black men, black people. And if it's something that's, you know, repeated, if it's something that is repeated consciously or unconsciously type yeah. of thing, right? Um, I know we met up a little bit yesterday and, and kind of discussed the format, you know, talking points. Um and we had some good stuff that we wanted to go over. So I know you've done a little bit of uh, extra research, you know, to kind of prepare and want some talking points as well. So um, first, we'll just start out on, in terms of toxic masculinity, uh, how how do you think that affects the home in the relationship? Um, it, it plays a huge part, uh, unfortunately. And, and I use that word unfortunately because it's true. It plays a huge part in um in our home, uh, also just in our relationships. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of have to go back a little bit, right? Uh, when you talk about just the word masculinity, let's forget right. the word toxic, but let's just talk about masculinity uh, in, in the black community and in our culture. Um, I'm, I'm the father of two boys and three girls. Okay, um, I can tell you that as a father raising boys, mm -hmm. um, you want your sons to be as masculine as they can be mm -hmm. as a father, right? Uh, and you teach them that. And that cycle is perpetuated. Uh, you'll hear phrases like, boys don't cry. You right. know what I mean? Suck it up if they get hurt. Mm -hmm. Quit crying like a little girl. I better not see a tear fall down your eye. Right. What happens is in, in, in the household, that is how we raise our boys. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a, it, there's this fine line between raising a masculine young man and also this toxic environment. When, mm -hmm. you, when, you, when you add the word toxic... Um, you know, and when you think just kind of the definition of toxic and, and, you know, it's not a good thing, let's be clear. Right, right. Um, that's where that fine line, that, that defined line starts to get a little bit blurred, right? It becomes, because this is what my father, my uncle, even my mother may have taught me, mm -hmm. it becomes that I can't show emotions now, right? right? 
I sweep things under the rug. Mm -hmm. I can't cry when and if I need or want to because that is not how I was raised. Um, It's tough. It's tough on our black men. uh, And I can tell you that that now, being a black man and you also being a black man, it impacts our home. It impacts our relationships as we get older. It impacts us as young men, boys, Mm -hmm. because this is that cycle that's been perpetuated generation after generation after generation. And it just makes our lives that much tougher when you don't feel that you truly have an outlet, mm-hmm. um, an emotional outlet. Normally, our, our outlet is to fight. Right. It is anger. It is aggression. And I think that's kind of that stigma that we see in here mm-hmm. that black men are hyper aggressive. Right. Black men are mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, it is, in my opinion, by design. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, that we, is who we are. And we do get tagged with being hyper-masculine, right? We do. Um, when you go back to the creation and entertainment and social whatever, and you look back at the movies and the portrayal of a black man, yeah. it was always to be big and brute. And that equal strong and strength. You know, that equal being able to tear things down and tear things up, but it also turned into being an image of a villain at the same time, right? <clears throat> True. So you had this this thing where throughout time and in pop culture, it later comes into with our music in our times. Now, it switched at one point where, let's say, around the 60s, 70s, Marvin Gaye-ish times, right? where you had this time of it was cool to be that cool guy, that cool black man that's singing the different things and Teddy Pendergrass, you know, you had the all that sound, right? And it was good to have that. But now I think when and you think about the clothes that was worn, the bell bottoms and things of that nature, high right. waisted pants that men wear wore at that time, platforms. We speed along to today. And if a guy was to come out with high waisted pants and platforms with bell bottoms, and a sort of blouse type shirt, it would be like, okay, what you doing? Right. And then with us, black man to black man in our community, we tend to have that effect. And we talked about that where we tend to tear that down on each other, right? We tend to, okay, who who's who's gonna be the strongest or the alpha black male in an environment? So along with what you're saying, which you, you know, kind of sped out there for our our listeners raising our kids not to cry, not to shed that tear. And, you know, having that thing of, okay, we want you to be strong. At what point does it turn into being the wrong way or is it the wrong way? Well, I think we've got pundits out there that will tell us, you know, here's how you should raise your child. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you just from a cultural perspective and in our community, um, we have always, when I say we, I'm talking about our black people. Yeah. Um, we raise our kids the way we feel is best for our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, we raise our kids based on, again, how we were raised. Yeah. And how our parents were raised is how we, you know, how they raised us. Um, society is society, man. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, this this whole toxic masculinity thing mm-hmm. is real. Um, and it impacts us uh, in, in on a large scale um, to a point where... Remember we talked a little bit about just the emotion. There's this emotional detachment that happens. Yeah. And I was reading that some of those things can cause uh, uh, forms of mental illness, such as bipolar, right, disease. Um, We have to be careful 
and when we look at how we raise our kids. I'll give you an example about today, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got two sons, 128, 112. Yeah. I've raised them completely differently. My 28-year-old, it was all about tough it up, suck it up, quit acting like a little girl. Um, you're not going to be the one that's bullied. If mm-hmm. anything, you're going to be the bully. Gotcha. If someone says something to you or puts their hands on you, you knock them out. Because if you don't, if you got to come home and you got a black eye because you chose not to fight, guess who you're going to have to fight now? Right. It is your father. And I can tell you now, you're absolutely going to lose this fight. So you might want a 50-50. Either you beat his ass, you get your ass whooped, which is cool, valiant right. effort, or you come and see me. And that's something you absolutely don't want to do. Right. That's my 28-year-old. I've got a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Tried to raise a little different, right? I'm a little older. My, my 28-year-old. I was 20 years old when he was born, right? Gotcha. So I'm still young trying to figure out and understand. And I'm about being from Detroit. I, it was all about toughness, macho, this toxic masculinity that was, you know, um, that was uh, that came to me through, wasn't even my father. And we'll have a separate conversation about yeah, that. Yeah. My 12 year old, we live in Waxhaw, North Carolina, right? Not too many black people out there. Yeah. Uh, it's a different world. So what I am trying to teach him is I want you to be tough, right? I, I do, but you can share emotions. So mm-hmm. I tell my son I love him every single day. I hug my son mm-hmm. every single day. Those aren't things that my father, my uncle, father wasn't even in the house, but but men who were in my life didn't hear that. Heard it from my mother, which yeah. was great, but it feels real good or would have felt real good to hear that from a male figure. Yeah. Um, so as I've gotten older and and know and understand how impactful toxic masculinity is, Mm -hmm. I try to give him an outlet to cry whenever if he needs to. So when he does cry, my conversation with him isn't suck it up, figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's asking, what are you crying for? Because I need to understand what emotional stage he's at at that particular point to be able to address it. I hug him because I want him to know that that's how I show emotion to him, right? Me saying I love you is an emotional thing, and I'm, I'm showing him that. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. As parents, as brothers, as uncles, as a black man, we should be looking at ways to combat toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and let our, let our young men know, young boys know, that it's okay to show emotion. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Uh, and that's something we have not done a good job of as a culture, unfortunately. Definitely. Um, just speaking now to back and going piggybacking off of what you said about um, giving the hugs and saying I love you yeah. from a male figure. It's funny to me. Me and my brother are close, even though we're five years apart. We're close. Always have been. But it seems recently that me and him the way we would say I love you was to dap each other up and do the one, the one hour hug. Right. Right, right. I'll see you later. All right. Peace. And recently it's been more of a full actual hug and I love you mm-hmm. or randomly, you know, texting each other. I love you. And the first time he did that, I was like, what's wrong? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. something, something, something going on. Me. Right. <laughs> so instead of me calling him, I called my mom like, yo, TJ good? Like, you know, what's wrong? What's going on with my brother? Yes. She was like, I don't know. He back there laughing on the phone about something. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So he good. So I called him and he was like, hey, what's up? You know, we had a conversation. I didn't bring it up. But I was like, okay, my brother's not the person to 
open up either, right? He's that person that is, he'll hold it in. He'll hold, he'll hold things in. Um, he can express himself when he needs to, but he's also that person that will hold so much in until he it just bursts, right? Right. And that can be in a form of anger, but not really anger. It's more hurt, but that's the way it comes out. And he'll just kind of be to himself and just let it out. Or it could just be, I didn't had enough and I just need to whoosh and, and it just falls, right? Right. But I think that goes back to just the whole, the, the basis behind toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. As men, we hold a lot in. Mm-hmm. We, we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders, right? And we hold a lot of those things in because that is really what we were taught. It was, don't let anything impact you. Yeah. You're going to be kind of this even kill, never get too high, never get too low. And what happens is, is there's a trigger that will happen at some point and we will blow up. We will either be super emotional one way or another, whether that's we're crying, sobbing, weeping, Mm -hmm. or we're extremely angry. And what it, what, what it is, is it's these small pieces that have built up over time that we have chosen not to address or not to recognize or not to show emotion on. And that's where the fallout happens. Yeah. It goes back to, and so your question was, how does this impact our home? Right. right. I can tell you now, if you ask any woman that's in a relationship with a man mm-hmm. um, or anyone in a relationship, mm-hmm. one of the things that we are notorious for, uh, and, and my wife can attest to that, is we're not good communicators. That's what you're, you're not a good communicator. You don't yeah. like to talk. You don't want to talk. Guess why? Right. Guess why that is? It's because it's this this yeah. this toxic masculinity that I can't talk. I can't cry. I yeah. can't get upset. Not supposed to open up I can't about get it. Right? Mad. I'm not supposed to open up. You we have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, and, and we'll we'll you know, we'll talk about this probably a little later is that impacts our relationships. Yeah. With everyone around us, including our spouses, including our significant others, it impacts that relationship. Definitely. And the question is, well, why why can't you communicate? It's it's easy. Yeah. Well, I was never taught to communicate. And we talked the about thing, this right? yesterday. Women, on the other hand, yeah. cry it out, girl. Yeah. You'll feel much better. I mean, it, Let's it's, talk about it's it. groomed from, from the beginning. It is as a baby. And, and I, I guess for me, I could speak to it for when my niece and nephew were growing, the two oldest ones. When my niece was born, first of all, my mom has two boys. And when she was born, it was not a girl in our family for 23 years. Wow. So, you know, it was this whole thing of, we finally got another girl, da 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 Right, right. But the tenderness of caring for her and picking her up and feeding her her bottle, all the way through teaching her how to potty train, teaching her how to talk, you know, and different stuff, addressing her, blah, blah, blah. It was a different grooming than when my nephew came along. It was okay. When it came to potty training with her, it was like, oh, she peed on herself. Okay, but she'll get it together. Da, da, da. Right. You know, you, you talk to him. When it came to him in potty training, he peed on himself for too long. It was, what are you doing? You know, it was that whole thing of, you better stop pissing on yourself or, you know, da, 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 da. Right. And, and I was guilty of it too, because, you know, it was like, yo, toughen up. <clears throat> but then, as he got older and I got older, because I was 14 when my nephew was born. And when I, and I, you know, like we talked yesterday before, when I got to college, a different mindset, right? Yeah. I would notice that when he wanted to express himself, he wouldn't. He would hold that in. And 
with my brother, seeing him as like that when we grew up, I'm like, okay, something got to change, right? My mom has always raised us to be expressive, that it's okay for men and boys to cry. Her words were always, men have tear ducts too. Right. If you weren't meant to cry or show emotion, God would have never made you that way, right? Sure. So yeah. for me, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. But still in that instance, me and my brother were so much alike. I will hold things in and I will try to play like everything's okay. And we've had our own in touch with that at the beginning of the year. And yep. it was like, you're not okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> but with my nephew, <clears throat> I had to bring that into him. And like you said, with how you deal with your 12 year old now, yeah. it was what's wrong. You know, talk to me. Yep. What's going on? Why do you feel this way? Why are you holding it in? What is it that you're holding in? And through that, he learned to become more expressive. And through that, also telling him, you know, you can do the same thing with your dad. And he would go and talk to his dad. They talked to each other. So it was like, for us, we didn't have that male figure we could go to. We had our mom. And of course, we had our uncle. But in the house, we had our mom. So... I do think when you get into that part of going to the generations behind you and knowing better and different, it plays it plays a, a part on that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Moving to with that, with like, I don't know if you've seen the video. I'll bring up two things with raising a, a young boy. So here you have Dwayne Wade, right? Yep. When his son came, his youngest son came out as being gay. Yes. And he got backlash for being with his son at Pride in Miami and saying, you know, oh, no, that's not right. He's not old enough to know and da 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 right? But I think, and even though Dwayne never came out and did any press conferences, as I feel like he doesn't need to because that's his son and he Absolutely. knows his son. Yep. But I thought it was something in our time that is much different than it would have been years before. And I thought that was something that was courageous, but I thought it was also something that should be thought provoking for our black fathers going forward. If you see that your son is different and you learn them and you understand them and they have that conversation, because I'm sure they've had conversation for them to reach that point. Yes. I think that is a way where you can go to rid or divert from the various forms before in generations of breaking that cycle, right? Um, so I just wanted to get your opinion on that. But then also more recently, um, Alicia Keys got a lot of backlash with her son wanting expressed that he wanted to have his nails in the rainbow, right? Her mm -hmm. youngest one, three years old, four years old. And when he got it done, you know, he was like, I don't want it. She asked him why, you know, why not? That's what you chose, you know, stick with it. That's what you, that's what you want me. And he said, well, I don't want it because everybody's going to think it's wrong, it's not right. And he's for it, right? right? So he knows yes. what society feels. So I just wanted to get your opinion on both of those takes. Yeah, so um, the, the Dwayne Wade thing, actually not even Dwayne Wade, this is just my, my thought in general. Um, first and foremost, as a father or mother or someone mm -hmm. with kids or someone who uh, has a family member who is different, and I'll just use the word different loosely, mm -hmm. um, number one, support is key. Let me just be honest. We can, who gives a damn about what someone else feels who's 10,000 miles away 
and has Twitter fingers that can comment on something, yeah. right? They don't know you. They don't know your child. They don't know your life. Support your children in whatever it is. Right. If they're different, whatever the difference is, and I'm not talking about different being from a sexual orientation perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people with disability. It, it could be whatever anything, it be. Right. whatever it may be. You support them. You show them that you love them. And at the end of the day, that decision is that child's or that young adult's and you support it. Whether mm -hmm. you agree with it or disagree with it doesn't, doesn't take away from the fact that you love them and you support their decision. I have two daughters, and this is personal for me. I've got mm -hmm. two daughters who identify as being lesbian. Okay. Um, both are in relationships with another woman. Mm -hmm. um, as a father, and this is where this double standard comes, and, and let's, let's have this real conversation. Okay. Um, as a father... I was able to accept that my daughters were lesbians. Okay. Um, at one point, I thought it was it, it'll just be a phase, right? That's kind of sometimes how parents feel. Mm -hmm. But I was very accepting of that. When they brought their girlfriends to the house, hey, how are you doing? I had no issues. My thing was this. Make sure that they're treating you right. That's, that's all I really care about. Who you love is who you love, and we're good. Definitely. But let's, and this is, let me be honest, though. I, I would have struggled if those were my sons. And gotcha. that goes back to this toxic masculinity. Gotcha. I would not have been as accepting. I would have been hurt um, because when I look at my sons, mm -hmm. I want these masculine, um, heterosexual males that mm -hmm. are strong. That And to be completely honest with you, that is a double standard. Yeah. And I can only speak from my experience. Right, right. But I will tell you now that I would have struggled with that. Um, I would have struggled with that tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sad that that I would have felt that way or yeah. even still feel that way because uh, yeah. I would struggle with that today. Gotcha. Uh, and the problem is, crazy thing is like, I'm not homophobic. Yeah. Um, but when it really hits home, it's a different conversation. But going back to what I was saying, support your children. I've yeah. got daughters. I supported them. My sons, I would it would have been a tougher, <laughs> tougher road for me. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I would have supported their decision, um, and I would have allowed them to live their lifestyle the way that they wanted to live their life, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Whether it's Alicia Keys, whether it's Dwayne Wade, or whether it's John F. Smith, support your children. Who yeah. cares about how anyone else feels? I will tell you, society's changing a little bit, mm -hmm. where it is absolutely more socially acceptable, where people come out and it is a-okay. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Definitely. that would have never happened. You couldn't come out <laughs> right. because of the repercussions that come Definitely. from society, from friends, quote unquote friends, and from family. Like right, it's, right. yeah, so I just wanted, doing that you, When better. you spoke about that, yeah. not to get stuck there too long, but you used to, you, you said hurt. Yes. When, if it was your sons, or if still today, maybe, yeah. you know, what happened, hurt, why, why? Why hurt? What? Because what, in a in a ask that because even if there's a single parent home with a with a mom, in some cases or most cases, you hear that a lot through black families mm -hmm. in the black culture that when their kids come out, especially men, it tends to hurt the family, right, or hurt the mom, hurt the dad. 
So why the word hurt? What, what, what does that mean for you? Got you. Um, there is a, and it's an internal hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'll use this word disappointment. The hurt is as a, as a father, you try to raise your sons to be like you. Got you. Right. And they stray, they deviate. Actually, you want them to be better than you. Mm-hmm. My idea of my idea of a successful son mm-hmm. in society, one of those is a strong, independent, mm-hmm. um, borderline socially accepted heterosexual male. Right. That is that is my definition of a son. Homosexual male mm-hmm. is completely left of the right that I'm trying to that that I, that I felt like I tried to pour in and instill. So disappointed in myself, mm-hmm. disappointment in his choice, mm-hmm. and the word hurt um, is that's a tough one. I, it is it is an internal. It would it would have hurt my heart because of the level of disappointment I would have had. Like it would have been disappointing to the point that it hurt me that he had made that choice. If that even explains it, but I, I, you know, for me to be honest and be completely, I would have been hurt and I would have been disappointed. Got you. And I had to, I wanted to ask that because you use hurt and not anger. Yeah. Cause a lot lot of people, especially fathers get angry about it, even though it's a cover of, of her. Of her, yeah. But they express it more so with anger. But you would know consciously that it, it would just be hurt. It you is wouldn't hurt be angered, nope. but you would be hurt by it. But in time, you would learn to be able to be accepting and supportive of it as well, which not a lot of people kind of know that up front. They, you know, if it came to me, this is what I would do. Yeah. A lot of people just hope that it doesn't happen, don't have to deal with it. And that whole thing is sweeping it under the rug type of thing, right? That is true. Um, That is true. Yeah, so I just wanted to get your take on that. But I think that just goes back to, again, the whole toxic masculinity as a father. Uh, It's it's one of the things that fathers deal with, mothers deal with, whatever. You know, when your kids choose a different lifestyle, um, you know, how do you deal with it? What what makes sense? How do you approach that? Definitely. Um, Yeah. So uh, the... I know you you came up with some talking points as well on some things that you that you looked at. Um, I sent the, the link for you to yep. the article. Uh, just wanted to you know talk about that and see how you felt about that. Uh, the article is uh, Black Manhood in the Deep Roots of Toxic Masculinity, mm-hmm. um, which was penned or authored on October 10th. Um, this article can be found at uh, lyvbh.com backslash black manhood. Um, what were your takes on on the on the article? I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think it was pretty interesting. And and what's funny is, and this is something you and I talked about a little bit. It's it's a lot of the articles that you read about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. um, even though they're written by different authors, uh, a lot of the exact same points. It's there's a saying that we're a product of our environment, mm-hmm. uh, and when it you know a lot of times we think about this from kind of a socioeconomic um lens or we look at it through a socioeconomic lens but um these things are perpetuated yeah. uh and in the article it really just talks about how we don't have an outlook outlet um 
and we struggle to have an outlet. A lot of this is back when we talk about slavery days, Jim Jim Crow yeah. uh, laws, where you know if you think about slavery mm-hmm. and kind of how they uh, emasculated the man, mm-hmm. right, uh, and or took the man out of the household to divide our our culture. Yeah, we're still feeling the effects of that six hundred, eight hundred years later. Oh, of course, you know we are yes. feeling the the effects of that, um, and it's it's tough. You know, it's tough. I didn't really take a deep dive into toxic masculinity until you and I originally had a conversation and used that term. Yeah. I talked loosely about just, you know, here's how I feel, here's right, what right, I see. Right. And I didn't really even know that there was there was a, a, a definition, like the, a meaning yeah. of all of the things that we had talked about. Mm-hmm. And then we'd be like, hey, let's talk about toxic masculinity. I'm like, oh, let me Google what the hell that means before I get on right, the show right. and sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, it, it came up, bec- for me, it came up because I was like, Okay, we've talked about what masculine is. And I remember you asking me what what is masculine? What what really is masculine? Is it really a thing? Is it constructed? And it made me think like, oh wow. So let me, you know, kind of do some Google things. Yeah. Like, like let me look up some stuff. And then I came across toxic masculinity. When I first saw it, it was in terms of referring to like the frat boy culture with white boys, yeah. white men. And I was like, well, let me go deeper. Let's see what it is or if there's any research or articles on us as black men. And it's been interesting the different things that I've found, even though, like you said, they all seem to have the same consensus in a roundabout way, may go a different direction, different authors, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's still the same thing from the same research, you know, from different researches. And I was like, this is very interesting. And it's something that I wanted to talk about because I don't think it's talked about in the terms of us. I agree. You know what I was thinking, and this is one of the one of the things that I, that I'd kind of written down, um, and I wanted to just share this with you. So when I think about toxic masculinity and us not really having an out to show emotion or show feelings, mm-hmm. uh, and how it's perpetuated, it's a cycle, generation after generation. One of the things I thought about was um, how we as men, um, we will go zero to a million extremely fast yes right so when you think about two men Mm -hmm. and if something is off with these two men you will hear you will you will see an interaction Mm -hmm. you will hear a verbal confrontation Mm -hmm. and then you will see either fists flying Mm -hmm. or pistols being raised right all within a matter of a couple of minutes maybe even within 30 40 50 seconds yeah um I thought about that in the sense of we don't do a lot of arguing. Men don't. We, no. we were never trained to argue. We, that is not how we settle our differences. Yeah. It is, we here's our problem. <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then we come to a resolution. It may not be the best resolution, right. whether it's fighting pistols or we just, you know, we have the confrontation and we right. walk away. On the flip side, and this goes back to how women are taught differently, little girls, mm-hmm. if you think about women interacting and there is a verbal altercation, mm-hmm. that verbal altercation can last 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Right? Because they're trained to, I don't really want to fight. Right. But I'm going to argue because I need to get this emotion, whatever is in me, I, I need, need to, to get it talk right. about it. Right. Right? It may be escalated talk. It may be screaming yeah. and, and yelling. But, but I still got it. Right. I'm going to beat you with my words. Exactly. Right. 
that's that's the fight for them in most cases. Yeah. And that's how it starts. That's how it ends. Mm -hmm. Think about the contrast between that. You know what I mean? Think about how many lives would be saved if you and I could argue it out mm -hmm. and walk away and go home. Right. That's toxic masculinity where we don't have an outlet to be able to verbalize mm -hmm. for a long period of time. It is, there has to be some action and that's all of that pent up anger and aggression that may not even be directed to blue, yeah. some other shit that happened out in the world, but guess what? I, I'm gonna take it out on I'm you because I have right. no other outlet to exactly. do it. Think about the contrast between that. Definitely. Yeah, that's real. That's you know real. what I mean? That's real. It's real. And the, the crazy thing is it happens in our workplaces. Um, you know, won't say what said workplace, but was able to see exactly what you just said. And it was like, oh, okay, well, it was quiet. Out of nowhere, boom, two dudes going at it. And you're like, whoa, what's going yeah. on? Nigga this, nigga that. First of all, it was quiet. Where did this yeah. even happen? <laughs> now is, you know, all of this. And then talking about we can, you know, let's step Go outside. outside right. da, da, da. And you like, but you at work. Yes. <laughs> and again, time, place, date doesn't matter. Yes, All it goes of that out, is the out the window. Because, yeah. right, it's, I can lose my job over this, right. over an altercation that didn't really even have to happen because we blindly forget everything. And guess what? All of this other stuff we've been holding in, mm -hmm. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to take now. it out. Right. Yep. And right. I'm going to lose my job and all of that. Don't care. Right. I'm, I'm and then when I get home on. and be like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. Now I ain't got nowhere to go. I ain't got no money. I got to find a job. And then I got to try to figure out how I'm going to tell them, well, what happened at your last job? Right. You know? And we we don't think about the consequences before things happen. Absolutely. We, we take action, tend to take action and then think later and be like, dang. True. I should have done or I would have done or I could have done. And now it happened, gotcha. but then we sulk because yep. then again, we don't, we, we still hold everything in. We internalize it instead of being able to talk to somebody and say, oh, I was wrong or, oh, I shouldn't have done this. And let me just talk it out. We'll still hold that in and, and internalize it and talk to ourselves about it, you know, in our head, like, dang, you know, you should have did this. You, yep. you could have just sat down. You could have just walked away. And now we're sulking. And based on the articles that I've read and you've seen to read as well, with the mental illness part that you brought up, I saw bipolar disorder, yes. anxiety, depression, yes. and all those things that do encompass. And then on top of that, that's a whole nother thing in conversation because as black men, men period, but more so black men, we don't tend to take care of our mental health, right? We don't. And as a community, we don't tend to take care of our mental health, but our counterparts, our female counterparts in the black community will go and seek counseling therapy before we will. You're right. Uh, that kind of brings up another point for me, and it's this, you know, you know, being masculine, and maybe mm -hmm. not even toxic masculinity, right, right. but I will tell you this. One of the things that we don't do enough is go to the doctor. Right. You know why? Because it's not cool, but I need to go to the doctor mm -hmm. for it. I'm walking, I'm talking, I feel healthy, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, a way too many African-American men that pass way too early because they just chose not to go to the doctor. Women Agreed. go to the doctor. Yes. Women, self-care, health, do it all the day. Mm -hmm. Even mental health, yes. much better and much stronger at that. Us, I'm tough, I'm good, mm -hmm. I can I can work through anything. I don't need someone telling me I got a problem. Right. I don't, I'm, I'm I know good. what's wrong with me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> your lung is hanging outside of your belly. Help me understand. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, we go when it's, when we have no other choice, exactly. right? Exactly. Mental health is is real. Physical health is real. Mm -hmm. 
self-care is real. Yeah. Um, but again, it's one of those things where we're tough. We can't let anything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hold us back or hold us down. Mm-hmm. And we end up losing our lives when it's something that definitely could have been prevented. You definitely. know, so that's just another lens that we can shine on this masculinity yeah. and or toxic. But, you know, that takes me to the other part of our conversation with vulnerability. Mm. So because in that, you know, we, we, we don't want when you said don't want to be soft, like, you know, we, we can take care of ourselves. It takes me into what we talked about, what you know, how what does it look like for black men to perceive something as weak yeah. or soft. Right. Yeah. And we have that thing where we, we will call something out now. I think it's called, you know, oh, that's gay or, you know, something like that. We, we always have something to kind of go along that and self-care some until recently it's become it's starting to take you know take traction yeah but beforehand you didn't hear about black men talking about self-care you didn't hear about or see a black man going to get a a pedicure manicure massage any of those type of things going to therapy you just didn't see it and if you did see it it was considered weak soft gay whatever true so Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I'm I'm fresh off a of, of Manny Petty as of uh, what's today <laughs> Saturday, as of uh, Wednesday. The wife and I went. Um, it took me 47 years mm-hmm. to realize that a man can go get his nails and his feet done mm-hmm. by someone other than his significant other. Yes, and it'd be cool. Uh, even four or five years ago, I had partners like, man, I'm going to get my nails. I'm like, dude, but how gay is that? Really? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And and it was true. Um, I don't know what changed mm-hmm. other than the fact that I was like, you know what? This might be cool. Let me try it. Mm-hmm. And now I go every month, me yeah. and my wife together. I go get my nails done. I go get my feet done. Yeah. Love it. But if say, you think experience. about it, it's a beautiful experience, <laughs> right? I even let the dude do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I was, I was a little suspect about yeah. that. Like, I really didn't want this guy touching my feet. Yeah. But, but the, the pressure... Bingo. It is is, it. is different, yes. right? And it's, it's what different. we as men tend to need. Because not to say a woman is not strong right. to the to the listeners, and that's not what is happening. But usually in those instances in those settings and getting your muscles massaged, it's a more firmer thing for us that tends to make it a little bit It better. is true. Yeah. Um, and I've had both men and women, and my preference is the man because of just the amount of pressure that yeah. he is able to apply to my feet and, you know, my legs and all that right, stuff. Right. So um, I say that to say this. When we talk about weakness mm-hmm. uh, and from the black culture and society, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things. Uh, like you said, Manny Petty. That's weak. That's gay. Right. I was thinking through just some some things that we look at weak, and uh, there there were a couple of things that kind of stood out to me. And here's here's what's crazy, and these shouldn't even be the exception to the norm, um, but they are uh, in a sense. So here's what's weak from my point of view. Okay. Um, growing up, um, in your twenties, mm-hmm. right. What was weak, in my opinion, is a young man being committed to one woman in a relationship. Dude, help me understand why this is your only chick. You know what? You're gay. That's weak. Because you got all of these other people out here Mm -hmm. that you could F around with. How backward is that thinking? Yeah. You know what I mean? Being in a committed relationship should be cool. Right. It's not. That's that's weakness or a sign of weakness, in my opinion. And Um, not to interrupt you. When did that 
viewpoint change for you? As I got much older, uh, go through these cycles, right? 20s, wild party, fuck as many women or whoever you fucking as yeah. much as you can. 30s, eh, let me kind of slow down a little bit and figure it out. I'm in my 40s now. I, dude, I got more good years behind me than I have ahead of me. As you get older, you start to mature and you start to realize that that is not the lifestyle that... Uh, uh, and again, people live how they want to. Right, right, right. My my lens, not a productive lifestyle in most in most cases. So it took me years to mm. realize that and understand that. But in my twenties, that's exactly what I was doing. You know, because I was a part of the cool crowd. Yep, yeah, I got three, four, five, or six. But the ones that were just with one and was in this committed relationship, you know what? That, that's yeah. weak, bro. Yeah, help me understand. You know what I mean? That right, that's right. weak. Um, growing up in the eighties and nineties, man. Uh, and I think I told you, um, drug game was my thing, yeah. right? But I had partners, man, that would go. They were working at Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, you know, this nine to five. Just so you know, back then, $3.35 an hour is what they were paying. Yeah. That was weak, right? That We could go out here and make these thousands, but mm -hmm. you decide that you want to go to work at McDonald's and work for the white man. Yeah. Help me understand. that That is... That was weak. Yeah. You know what I mean? People who dressed differently. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People who went to church yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, th like, there was so many things that I felt were he soft. Mm -hmm. People who avoided confrontation mm -hmm. instead of standing up for themselves mm -hmm. and beating their chest. Those people were soft, in my opinion, yeah. and in my book. Uh, that's tough, though. You know what I mean? How many alpha males can you have in one room? <laughs> right? You get there's a saying, right? You got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Exactly. You've got to have Indians, and that is how it plays out. Think about prison. Everybody's a shark in prison. Yes. When you talk about these maximum security, everybody's a shark. Yes. Right. But again, you got a great white mm -hmm. and you got a nurse shark. Right. There's still sharks, but there's still this hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And that is the way, and that is how it plays out in our society and our system. And on our streets every single day, whether in, you de in Detroit, Cleveland, Charlotte, it's all the right, same right. in our in our communities. Yeah, you know. So, uh, just to share a piece on yep. what you what you talked about with the person working at McDonald's, right? Yeah. So, I remember when I worked at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Yo, "Blue is weak." <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't. Well, not from other people. Like my friends, it was like, "Get me on." I'm trying to work too. Like I'm trying to get my mama money type thing. Right. For for me, I had an instance where I remember I was working the drive-thru, mm -hmm. the second window, and guy pulled up, nice Chevy, you know, box Chevy, da da da. I want to say I think it was I think it was like a ice blue, dark blue interior, real nice, you know, it was right. cool, souped it up, whatever. And I did not know this person, didn't know him at all, but I gave him his food, gave him his change, and then he, you know, asked me, "Yo, how much you make here?" Me. I'm like, oh well, let me let you know, you know, da da da. da. I make you know five twenty five seventy five an hour, da da da. da. Right. You get about you know a good well at that time because I was doing over, I would do overtime. You get about a good you know four hundred whatever you know yeah. every two weeks, da da da. And he looked at me, he was like, you good with that? And I was like, what you mean? Yeah, I get your application. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I was that kid that wasn't yeah, really yeah. seeing Little that, naive, right, right, right. Yeah. So he was like. Nah, he was like, uh, you about to quit your job. And I was like, why am I quitting my job? Like, no, nah, I'm not quitting my job. What you talking about? He was like, nah, you quitting your job because you about to come and, you know, run this for me. How would you feel if you made right. that in a day? You can make that in an hour. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, 
He was like, oh, that don't interest you? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> but behind that, I had my brother who was the one to let me know, nah, that ain't the path you're taking. Indeed. So I always knew that that wasn't for me. But this dude pressured so much that, you know, I had to go to Big Bro. Yeah. Hey, look, let's <laughs> like, talk about this. I don't know yeah. who dude is. I don't know his name, but he tried this type of car. This is what it looked like. Right. Next day that I worked, dude came through, came inside and apologized. Okay. I didn't know Big T was your brother. Da, 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 da. I apologize. Won't do it again this, that, and third. Okay. Never knew Respect. what my brother said. Or, you know, I never knew. He never right. disclosed. But I know Big T went and. Had that conversation. Had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I share that because I've had those experiences where I could have taken that that turn. Yeah. It was easy to right. be able to take that turn because it was, it was in front of me every day. The school that I went to, the environment that I was in, it was there. Um, I had friends who were doing it, family that did it. Yeah. But I also had my brother in the back of my head, like, you decide to do that, me and you going chest to chest. Right. Because that's not what you're doing. You're not. I took the wrong step, and you're not going to take that wrong step. But you know what's funny, and I, I appreciate you ex- sharing that experience because there's all too often uh, the decision that our young men make mm-hmm. isn't, you know what, I'm fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick this out, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do X, Y, Z. Um, the lure and temptation of fast money, mm-hmm. um, quick money, flash right, is extremely enticing to these young men who um, are disadvantaged in a, in a lot of cases, yeah. right? They come from, whether it's single family households, socio, socioeconomic levels that aren't where they need to be, mm-hmm. they're in poverty yeah. and are looking for an out. And for a lot of these kids, um, the out is either drugs or mm-hmm. I'm gonna play a sport, yeah. like literally. It's, yeah. it's, it's drugs or I'm going to play some sort of sport. Um, I'm glad you made the right choice. I'm going to be honest with you and, and, and you know, be very thankful for your brother, brother. But there are way too many young African-American men who make that choice and make that decision and end up losing their lives, losing their livelihoods, um, you know, or, you know, losing years of their lives. Um, I grew up in the drug world world um and when you talk about the true crack epidemic you know you're talking about late 80s early to mid 90s you know i'm between 18 and 25 years old so all of that was very attractive to me i wasn't the guy that said hey you know what nah i'm gonna i'm gonna take this this the right path i was the one who said let me get that pack yeah and 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 we will have another conversation a little later yeah um I only share that because the reality is this, right? At some point, um, and I don't call them mistakes. I make them, I call them just bad decisions. You don't make a mistake. Going to the grocery store and getting Fruit Loops instead of Lucky Charms is a mistake. You know what I mean? That's a mistake, <laughs> gotcha. right? Getting this package of dope yeah. and selling it is not a mistake. That is a conscious decision, but yeah. it is a bad decision. Definitely. Um, that leaves our people extremely, in my opinion, vulnerable to the elements, right? Mm -hmm. Think about, um, I had some friends, man. Um, Actually, I had a a very close friend. Um, I'll tell this quick quick story. Had a very close friend. Um, I'm selling dope. This is 89-ish. I'm 19 years old. He and I are best friends. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, He pretty much worked for me. 
Um, he's like, hey, I want to go to Lansing. Uh, I gave him a pack. There's this lady that he wanted to sell dope out of the house. Mm-hmm. Cool. All he had to do was give her like $100 worth of rocks every single day. She let him sell dope out of the house. We were young, right? 19. Yeah. He was like, hey, I'm going to tell my mom that I'm staying with you and your grandma. So I was staying with my grandmother at the time. Um, so she won't worry just spending the weekend over. So he was supposed to come back home like on a Saturday. Uh, didn't get a call from him. Um, get this random phone call um, from my son's mother. Um, her cousin took him up there. Long story short, they went to pick him up. Blood is in the house. They don't find him. Uh, so I call his mom like, hey, let me tell you. His name was Houston. Houston's mm-hmm. up in Lansing. Something may have happened to him. Call the jails. Call the hospitals. He ended up getting killed by the girl's boyfriend. Um, crazy part is the story got switched, um, where they said, I took him up there and set him up because he was having sex with my son's mom, my daughter's mother, which was absolutely not true. Um, and so I, repercussions are detectives at my house, kind of like the first 48, you know what I mean? They're at the house. His cousins shoot my grandmother's house up Wow, because- they think that I get their cousins set up. Right. Just so you know, that's the whole reason I'm actually in Charlotte, believe it or not. It's that bullshit that, that actually happened up in Detroit. Got you. Um, the point of the story is the decisions we make, we don't really know how they impact the rest of our lives. Right. For me, I would call it a success story because if I was still back in Detroit, mm-hmm. I can tell you now, I would either be dead, I would probably just be coming out of prison, or that's really, or I'd just be some cat on the street, you know, yeah. I'm still trying to, trying to hustle. Um, you made a, you made the right decision, sir. Uh, I made wrong decisions, yeah. but I would say that as I've moved forward and I've gotten older, I understood that I had to make some changes in my life, and um, you know, because those impacts on the on the family, on the culture, on the, on on everyone else, they just they're they're very impactful. Else, you know, and uh, you had other points, right, that you were going into. Yeah, I did. Matter of fact. <laughs> Get My bad. I, t- I took you off track a little bit. No, no. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> those things are, are real key uh, in my life. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with kind of having those conversations, um, if nothing else. So male vulnerability, that's that's kind of where we were kind of having a conversation about. Yeah. Right. Just kind of um, being vulnerable, um, kind of what my experiences were, um, how that works. So. I link vulnerability to um, to toxic masculinity, right? Being vulnerable is meaning that I can be emotional. Mm-hmm. I can share my thoughts, my ideas. I can express how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not a place that a lot of our young men and we- our young men or even older men sit in. Yeah. Uh, and that's by design, in my opinion, right? It's the cycle that's perpetuated and perpetuated, which doesn't allow me to be... Um, to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, is that what we were talking about? Was it vulnerability or yes. was it actually? Um... We had moved down into the vulnerability okay. and then talk, because you had mentioned something about with soft. And then we went down to that talking about, you know, the perception of weak and everything gotcha. like that. Um, yeah. So, so for me, vulnerability, um, you know, even let's talk about just the perception of being weak. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about committed relationships, the guy working at McDonald's and that's kind of how we kind of got off fast a little bit. That was my bad. Um, (laughs) showing emotion Mm -hmm. and this ties back to vulnerability is considered weak Mm -hmm. in a lot of areas and within our culture. Yeah. If I were to see you cry, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know you. Yeah. 
I would like, you know, right. he, he, he's weak. What is he crying right. for? Or yeah. if you came to me and said, man, listen, my relationship sucks. I'm struggling. And, you know, you're crying. It's like, that is a sign of weakness. Yeah. Why is that? Right. Yeah. Why does that happen? Why do we as a people feel that that is a sign of weakness anytime that someone shows an emotional, is in an emotional state mm -hmm. uh, as a man? Yeah. I struggle with that. But here's the fact. I don't show much emotion either. You know, when I think about the last time I truly cried, mm -hmm. uh, it was this year. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Because I was going through some things. But when I look back, you know, the death of my mother, the death of my sister, mm -hmm. the death of my aunt. I mean, these are true, real events. But yeah. outside of that, just, hey, you know what? I, I just didn't feel this way today or something impacted me. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that is sad. Yeah. And we have to fix that as African-American men in the community that are saying, hey, we're going to make a difference. We've got to show our young men and women how to do it. Definitely. More importantly, men, because women, they're taught. We talked about yeah, that from yeah. day one. Uh, we've got to figure out how to do that, man. We do. We, yeah. We've got to figure out how to do that. But, you know, and, and with that, I know in the terms of being vulnerable, um, we as black men, we don't we don't tend to do that. Right. And we don't tend to open up as well. I'm a person that will not open up. Um, I'm learning to be a person that opens up. Um, and a lot of my friends will know that I can go a little silent, but they know when I'm going silent, it's more so I don't want to throw anything off on you that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak in the wrong tone. So I'm just taking my space so I can get my head space together. So we do, they, we do have that understanding and conversation to know that much. But I'm also on the other end when a friend of mine will go silent and I know them and know them to be in their head when they go silent. I'm that person of, Hey, what's going on? What's happening? I'm about to call you cause you need to get out your head, but it's different on the other side. Right. And it was just called out to me. Not actually not long ago <laughs> this right. week. Okay. Um, Real time. <laughs> and I had to really sit there and kind of like, you know, eat it because I was like, Oh dang. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I'll, that's all I can say. You're right. Uh, but I know through events for myself and events for yourself that we have a relationship where we're able to not have that barrier. The barrier of vulnerability is, is very much decreased. At least I can speak for myself. It's very much decreased. Yeah. And we're able to have those open conversations and we're able to have them freely without thinking, did I say too much? Did I say the wrong thing? Maybe I should have held that back and took that back. And for me, I would have to say I really appreciate that. And I've told you that. But on the other end, I appreciate that you feel comfortable being able to speak to me as another black man because we don't do that. Our counterparts, white men, they can. They, we see it all the time. They talk to each other. They know everybody's business. They know each other's business. Not so much as like business nosy, but they know what's going on in each other's lives. With us, it's like, no, nah, I ain't telling you that. No, yeah. I don't need to, you know, da, 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 what, what? No, you know, we're secluded in ourselves, but then we need the outreach from within our own. And it's hard for us to pour into our own because we can't even pour into ourselves. True, true. So th there's this, um, I think one of the things for you and I, when we initially just started having conversations and then our conversations got a lot deeper mm -hmm. uh, and more detailed about personal things, um, two words come to mind are for safe space mm -hmm. and judgment-free. Yeah. And I think when we walk out of 
whether it's a conference room or wherever we're at, you trust that I will keep your information confidential and that I won't judge you and it is a safe space. Definitely. And I feel the exact same way with you that, hey, whatever I told him, he's going to keep that. He's going to internalize that. He's not going to judge me and it is going to be a safe space. Definitely. And that's really our professional relationship, right? Yeah. Um, there was a point, um, one of the talking points we hadn't really talked about just yet, but you mentioned it. It's in the workplace, mm-hmm. how toxic masculinity and even vulnerable, vulnerable, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> vulnerability. Being, yes, being vulnerable. Um, how those play into the professional dynamic and yeah. the professional relationships. It is almost that like we take this code from the street Mm -hmm. and we move it into this quote unquote professional environment Mm -hmm. and it is the exact same behavior that we are perpetuating Mm -hmm. it is i'm not going to open up to you because i don't want to be vulnerable nor do i want you to know my business right so we are always in these little cliques and sects Mm -hmm. or if you have an african-american leader Mm -hmm. who has another african-american come on board Mm -hmm. How often do we see them really embracing them and pulling them under our wing and saying, hey, let me show you the way. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. Right. Instead, it's like we spoke. Instead, it turns into that whole thing of, no, I'm the one. I'm the alpha male. Now now you coming into my space. And typically when the other guy comes in is to how can I dethrone him? Because I know he's the one. And we get into that space of beating yep. our chest in that alpha male and, and you know environment and and things that we start to instead of being a team, even if it's unspoken, and being a team in a unit with one another, we have this unspoken thing of we now we're in a rivalry. Yes. Now I'm about to come for you. You coming for me? I'm going to make sure you stay where you are. No, I'm going to make sure I come above where you're at. Not where meet you where you're at. I got to get above where you're at so then I can still look down. It's that whole thing of I'm going to still look down my nose at you. And that's and that's something that I've seen in various places that I've worked at. That's true. And it's like I sit back and I observe and wonder, why do we do that? Yep. Well, it's, it's almost that we're conditioned to be that way mm-hmm. um, where – you know, I look at it even, you know, when you look at just in the jungle, for example, mm-hmm. in, in Africa, mm-hmm. um, you've got prides that that have certain areas. Right. And there can never be another male in the same area with the male. They are right. going to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's sad, but it is it is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at adult men, here's an example. Adult sons cannot live with adult males in the same it is extremely tough as an adult male for me to come back home yeah and live with my father yeah and or mother well my my father and mother yeah it's because it's his house yeah and you have to relinquish this Mm -hmm. i'm grown and i can do what i want to do Mm -hmm. it's hard having these two these two lions in the same area yeah that goes in the jungle that goes in the workplace that goes on in the home yeah but again it's the same cycle that's being perpetuated Mm -hmm. in this toxic masculinity uh conversation that we're having that plays out to be so true in in these three arenas definitely and i kind of thought about that when um 
because you, you spoke about before about your experiences of you know stepfather yeah and the relationship that goes along with typical stepfathers um and it made me think about in in the form of lions right and when that lion comes in and he wants that pride and he dethrones mm-hmm. you know he beats him or kills him the the standing king yes and then takes it on in most cases most cases he then kills the cubs of the, the male existing, lion. right? Yes. It's very rare, very rare that, and it happens, but it's very rare that that alpha lion that comes in and has just whatever and takes over the pride takes in the cubs as well. True. Now, normally, they'll take in the cubs that are female without any issues, but will either outcast or even kill the male cubs. Yep, most but, cases And it's kill. very rare, but it happens where they do take that in. And it made me think about that conversation that we had about yes. that. And I was like, me being me, I correlate stuff to a lot of different right. things, whether it's music, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it made me chuckle because I was like, dang, I equivalated this to fucking lions, but. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. But, like, it's tr- but it's true. I never really thought about it from that from that lens or that angle. But yeah, it's true. It's it's. The stepfather, stepson, and even stepmother, stepdaughter relationships mm-hmm. are, they're tough. They're tough yeah. on the children, they're tough on the biological, and they're tough on the step, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what you want is this step parent to take this child in as their own. Right. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen a lot of the time. Uh, you know, it just doesn't. It is a, you treat this one like this, you treat these other ones that are biologically, yeah. you know, like this. and. Definitely. It's 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 unfortunate, you know, because I think what it does is it continues to um, break the household up. Mm-hmm. It puts the biological parent at, you know, sometimes at odds yeah. with the with the husband or wife or or the partner and mm-hmm. the child, and vice versa. Um, and it's like you're gonna have to choose. Yeah, who wants to choose between their partner and their child? Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, even some cases it happens in biological with father and son. It does, and mother and daughter. It does. It. it it happens and it's a crazy thing because <laughs> you especially i think for me it's a crazy thing when it gets to the biological part because it's like that's 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 your offspring that's your blood it is yep and how hard i'm not a woman you're not a woman but i sit there and i think about those cases that i've seen like that and it's like how how rude of you and how hard is it for that woman to be placed to choose between the man and her son? Yep. Like, who would, why would you, and who are you to think that you are to subject her to that type of reality? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and that just makes me think, and that's a separate conversation we can have. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it just makes me, you know, that's something that's just like, wow. Um, <clears throat> so when we talked about vulnerability and we talked about kids, right. And I think I expressed to you of growing up and you may have had the same words or sentiments, maybe not exact, but growing up as a black man, the whole thing and notion that you have two strikes against you in society before you're able to go out on your own, right. Yeah. You you're black and you're a male. Yep. And we've had discussions about that. Um, <clears throat> And how that potentially implicates your thinking. 
And I pose to you, does that sentiment, that that precondition of black males before they go out in the world of, per, you know, quote, quote unquote, having these two strikes against you, is that the early on start of creating vulnerability in black men? Um, yes. So I was never taught that, hey, you know what? Because you're black mm -hmm. and or because you're a male, you're going to have these disadvantages. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned those very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Society taught it to me. My mom didn't teach it to me. Yeah. Right. My dad didn't teach it to me. Society taught it to me. Um, other people taught that mm -hmm. to me um, within our own culture and race. But I will be honest with you. Um, white people taught me that as well. Mm -hmm. So small story. Born and raised in Detroit, mm -hmm. became a knucklehead, mm -hmm. um, and and this is real. So you know this whole uh, most of you guys have seen like the Eight Mile movie, right? Yeah. Um, but this yeah, is a, a true story, <laughs> right? This is real. Um, eight Mile is the divider between Detroit and the suburbs. Yeah. Right. You're on one side of Eight Mile. You are in the city. That's what we call it, and it is 99% black. Yes. As soon as you go on the other side of Eight Mile, it it was 99% white. Mm -hmm. So we were to stay on the right side of eight mile. Yeah. Um, got in trouble. My grandmother lived on the other side of eight mile. She actually lived on 10 mile, which is crazy, but 10 mile yeah. in, in Gratiot. Uh, so mom's like, hey, you going over there. I can't even deal with that. Yeah. Um, this was the very first time I had ever been called a nigger in my life. We had the small pocket five blocks wide, mm -hmm. two five blocks long, two blocks wide. That was this population of black people that lived in the city called Roseville, town of Roseville. Everything else around us was white. Yeah. Um, these white boys would ride up and down the street, call us niggas all day. Uh, and I like I was not prepared for that. Yeah. Um, at all. I was not prepared for that. Um, my experiences, even with, you know, just that conversation, hey, nigga, go back to Africa, yeah. go back to Detroit, which was, in their opinion, fucking Africa, Africa right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Detroit was this continent of Africa. You know, go back to Detroit. Um, I struggle with that, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'll be like, oh, fuck you, cracker, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all this. But as I got older, um, I realized that I am a black male. Mm-hmm. I do have the, I have these disadvantages, right? We can call it two strikes, 10 strikes. I have these disadvantages, which conditioned me for where I'm at today. And it's still this game that we play mm -hmm. and we now play it in corporate America, mm -hmm. right? Yes. We play it in corporate America. My concern isn't, and it's crazy, but it's honest. My concern aren't my black peers, um, or black teammates, mm -hmm. it's how white society in corporate America sees me and views me. That is my concern. Mm -hmm. So as you know, right, I come to work and I dress better than my boss because I feel like I have to, yeah. right? I wear a suit, I wear a bow tie, yeah. you know? Uh, people are like, oh, you dress nice. It's by design yeah. because I want them to, I wanna feel accepted. Mm -hmm. That's This is that vulnerability, right? Yeah. I want them to like me. Yeah. I want them to judge me on my merit mm -hmm. um, and my body of work. And I feel like I have to do these things 
to separate myself. Yeah. You know, so I'm, you know, I'm rubbing shoulders with the CEO and CFO yeah, yeah. and they know me by name and all that, which is great. But then when I look in the mirror, mm -hmm. is this really who I am? Yeah. Am I really being true to Dre? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes into yeah. when we talked about peeling back the layers. Yes. And we had we 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 grow up with these layers like an onion. And we peel those back, but in so many words, people have to peel those back to really find out who we are. But we have to peel those back to really figure out who we are. And we get old, we get grown before we figure out who the hell am I? Yep. Because of the things as me, as a black man, like you spoke about separating myself and getting into those different things of I'm not like this, I'm like this, or I can do this by presenting myself in a different way because of what society has painted of me before I even got here and what they continue to paint of me while I'm here. Now, I don't even know who I am, right? You look in the mirror, like you said, you look in the mirror and you have to figure out, dang, this ain't who I am. Yeah, is this or you the... get to that thing where you have to question yourself, like, where did I go? True. It's Sometimes they have this conversation, like, hey, just be your authentic self. <laughs> yeah. but In this culture, can you ever really be your authentic self? Correct. Right? Or do you have to put on this face and be this and have this work persona mm -hmm. versus being the authentic Dre? Right. Or the authentic blue. Right. You know, like, yeah, you, we struggle with authenticity mm -hmm. because we never feel like we can be our authentic selves. Exactly. We can never really speak the way we really want to speak and use the same dialect that we use at home, that we use in right. the office. Or they will look at us a little differently. Oh. And I won't be a part <laughs> of the insider group. I'm always going to be on the outside. Exactly. I mean, it's not going to be inclusive, you know? Right. We struggle with that as a culture. And I don't know if there's any other cultures that struggle with that as much as we do when we talk about um, mm -hmm. vulnerabilities, working yeah. in the workplace, and how to maneuver yeah. in that environment. Yeah. I would I would jump out on them and say no. And the reason why is through observation. Um, besides where I'm at now, I've had other jobs in corporate America and seeing the various different ethnic groups that are there um they're much more accepted quicker <laughs> on their authenticities than we are yeah. uh, we typically will have to water ourselves down wash ourselves down and kind of you know throw on the face at least for a little bit you know it's like once once i'm able to get in i can let let that down but then yeah. by that time you can't really let it down because now I don't know or I lost my or this ain't really what or who I am, right? And then you get to that point where it's like, hmm, I look over here and, you know, you have, let's say, Muhammad. Muhammad is able to be himself, not have to water down his name. I don't have to go by Andre instead of, you know, being Dre. Right. Because now there's a difference between who Andre is and who Dre is. But Muhammad don't have to go to let me change my name to Michael while I'm at work and to then find out that, oh, his name is really Muhammad, right? right? Yeah. And Tommy don't have to go from he could be Tommy Tom or Thomas. He could be all that. Right. And then you have 
not going to do a, a, a crazy name, but, you know, last name may be Yang or Wang. And they don't have to typically change up too much, right? Versus us, we can't, we, we come in and it's like, okay, I'm Torian. And I have to emphasize that because now you don't want to pronounce it or now you feel like you can't pronounce it and it's very simple. Torian, you learn syllables in kindergarten. Right. And then if I fight that or counter that or push that for it to be calling me by my name correctly instead of calling me Torin or Terrain, then it's like, oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, now he's an issue. You know, now he's pushing, he's aggressive. Pushing back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not aggressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just call me by my, call me by my name. name. Yeah. Right. But that goes back to the toxic masculinity and how people perceive us, right? We are perceived as hypersexual, mm -hmm. hyper-aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and if that's the stigma that's put on us, mm -hmm. um, when you challenge, which could be a legitimate challenge, hey, yeah. here's what I want. You are now labeled as being this aggressive black man mm -hmm. in the workplace, mm -hmm. nonconformist, noncommittal, and here we are again. Yes. You know, we're we're back to square one where we could have made ten steps forward, but as soon as you decide, hey, you know what, I'm gonna buck the system because I disagree mm -hmm. with this, it's not just viewed as a disagreement or a hey, I I I'm not on board with this policy and here's why. It is Correct. hyper aggressive. Mm -hmm. You know what? I don't think you're a good fit for our company. Yeah, exactly. Right? You don't fit our corporate. You don't fit our corporate <laughs> yeah, standards or our culture. Right, and right. we we are we are back to square one. Now I'm unemployed mm -hmm. and I'm pissed the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And and now I'm really <laughs> hyper aggressive. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, like now I got yeah, a reason. Now I really like now you see yes. what that is. Yes. And, and even though I'm on the outside, but you see what that is at this point. Indeed. And um and I think that brings us to like our, our final point with that of and we talked about that. How does it correlate or does it even correlate with other men of color and in different ethnicities as it does with us? I, I, I'll let you speak on that first. I'd have to say no. Uh, I think we have a unique set of circumstances as African-American men mm -hmm. uh, in corporate America that are completely different from Native Americans, Asians, um, Hispanics. I think it's just different. Mm -hmm. I think they have their own set of challenges. So let me let me be honest and clear. Yeah, yeah. But their set of challenges are nowhere near what our set of challenges are, right? Mm -hmm. It is again this the, I don't know if 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 enough people trust us mm. as a as a culture and as a race, right? We're seen as untrustworthy, mm -hmm. we're seen as lazy. We're seen as, again, hyper-aggressive, mm -hmm. um, combative. And when you think of that and look at it through an employer's lens, mm -hmm. um, which are, and when we talk about employers, employers, and this is just the truth with, with America, where the majority of the people who are hiring are not us. You right. know, they're not African-Americans. These are mostly Caucasian men or women mm -hmm. uh, who identify with Caucasian men and, men and women. And, and that's no knock on them. It is yeah, what it is. Yeah. I get it. I understand it. Um, but if that is... If these are the people who are controlling who's hiring, mm -hmm. you have to know and understand that that's going to play a, a, a factor in who they hire, how they hire, and also what the longevity of the, the employee life cycle is. So is it across all ethnicities? No. Yeah. Do they have their own set of issues? Absolutely, they yeah. do. Ours, in my opinion, are a, a, a bigger challenge. Um, normally, we are 
are deeper in the workforce, and that's just from a demographic and population perspective, right? Um, our challenges are different, and I think our challenges far outweigh the challenges of other ethnicities uh, at this point. What I will say is this, and here's one of the challenges that's creeping up that I think is 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 it's going to be a challenge for this group of people moving forward. Um, is the challenge of someone who is Muslim mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, that, in my opinion, is the next biggest challenge outside of what we have yeah. is how people perceive Muslims mm -hmm. in, quote unquote, Christian America. Mm. Um, there is a lot. There are a lot of stereotypes and there are a lot of things that there are. Um, so a lot of misunderstandings. I, a lot of misunderstandings. Yes. And um, so I think that's the closest group that I could say identify, that could identify with the struggle that we're having right now. Theirs is different, but I can tell you it's high. It's at yeah. a national level. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, so that and, would be my and, answer. And I think that's fair for you to be able to observe that and speak on that because if people don't know, Detroit has, a, has the highest Muslim population Muslim in the population world outside of outside the, of where they are. Yes, yes. Yep. we yeah. do. So that intermingling and seeing that you've seen that firsthand. I've seen you, it. You know, you know that. I know it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so a lot of Arabs and a lot of Chaldeans mm -hmm. are in the city of Detroit, uh, and they've got their own little pocket and section, and they're yeah. also spread out. So I've I've grown up with you yeah. know uh, Arabs and Chaldeans uh, my entire life. So um, I look at them as brothers, mm -hmm. you know, and we're normally on one accord, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but again, those challenges are completely different. Yeah, you know, definitely. those kind of challenges are completely different. Definitely, good call out. Well, you know, uh, I think that wraps it up for us today. I do appreciate the conversation. I think it was a much needed conversation. I think it was a great session as well. Um, I honestly thank you for you know being able to open up. And welcome that conversation. Appreciate the Hope the nervousness went down yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, you I seem did. a lot more comfortable now. I did. I did. <laughs> um, I did.
All right. It's Blue signing out. Have a good one, y'all. Peace. Thanks,